0: Harris was not the number one overall pick in the recent draft, of course. He also wasn't one of the first 23 picks, but there are a lot of people out there who feel that Harris can be the AFC's Offensive Rookie of the Year, and I believe... Not so sure I disagree. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates right where you found this. There's a lot of things that line up in Harris's favor as it comes to a prediction like this, and of course these types of predictions are really, really hard to do, but they're also fun. And if you can't have fun talking about football at the very beginning of July, way before anything gets even remotely serious, then when can you? Let's look at some other possible contenders in the AFC. Jamar Chase is a guy I really like. Wide receiver out of LSU, picked by the Bengals, fifth overall. First receiver taken in the class, and we all know by now how deep the receiver classes have become of late. On top of that, he goes to at least an improving situation in Cincinnati. They've done a decent job, if not a complete job, of... Restructuring their offensive line. So maybe Joe Burrow won't go down for the year again. Burrow will have more than one target, since Tyler Boyd has done the Clareton takeover there. So Chase won't have to be the man, but he could still become that. And that would put him in a spot where uh, he'd get some visibility but because of Burrow, but he'd still be playing in Cincinnati. He'd still be losing a lot of games, and he's not going to get as many touches as Najee. Jalen Waddell is a wide receiver out of Alabama who went to the Dolphins, and he'll have a chance to make an immediate impact, no doubt. So maybe he's a guy, but he's also a wide receiver. You then skim through a bunch of defensive guys. Then you get to a bunch of quarterbacks, and quarterbacks are, quarterbacks are funny in the first round because you take them based on potential, but you don't take them and expect them always to just jump right in and be your starting quarterback. So as I continue working my way down The first-round list, you know, Mac Jones might be the guy in New England. That was Alabama's quarterback last year. He was 15th overall. Certainly, if he succeeds under Bill Belichick, you would expect there would be a lot of notoriety there. But, you know, you can't be sure. You can't be sure. Lots of offensive tackles and cornerbacks. In the mix after that, at least among the AFC teams, and then you get your way. And then there's Najee, running back, first running back. And really, I think the dialogue here can begin and end right there as for what would make him the prime candidate. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett Kelly, and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who filed workers' comp, who need assistance with medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated Super Lawyers, capital S, capital L, for over 15 years. That's a designation that's reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more. About LGKG at LGKG.com. Mike Tomlin has never had an aversion to running the wheels off of a running back. Um, He's made that clear both in word and deed over his tenure as the Steelers head coach. And he proved it most prominently with on Bell. Lev would get routinely 30, 35 touches, uh, runs, hard runs between the tackles, lined up as a wide receiver, caught passes coming out of the backfield, uh, did everything, did everything, just an all-purpose weapon who was used all the time and Tomlin wouldn't come close to apologizing for it. What am I saving him for? What am I worried about here? Well, sure enough, coincidence or not, all, every last one of Lev's best seasons in the NFL happened in Pittsburgh before he and or his agent lost his mind and basically ruined the remainder of his NFL career. But I'm just talking about performance. Lev's best years came here. And the head coach helped make that happen in a big way by never fussing or fretting over how often he'd be involved in the offense. And that's, I think that's what you're going to see. I really do, in part because the guys behind Najee right now are the guys who were right behind James Conner last season when the NFL's worst rushing attack couldn't get you a single yard when it was needed. That's not blaming it on Benny Snell or Anthony McFarland or Jalen Samuels or anybody else, but it's just saying it didn't get done. These guys are going to take a distant, I believe, back seat to Harris. Part of that can be mitigated by Harris, like Bell before him, lining up outside. I reported, lots of people reported, from rookie camp to OTAs to mini camp, that Harris did a ton of lining up wide. Harris talked about it openly. He's expecting for that to be the case continuing right into the season. He's very comfortable out there. When Lev did it, we were all like, whoa. But I don't think it's going to be that much of a surprise, or any surprise really, when it happens in 2021. Now, you want to be a little cautious in predicting that he's going to get, right off the bat, 30 to 35 touches the way Lev did it. Uh, this is a college player working an 11, 12, 13 game schedule versus what's now going to be a 17 game regular season. Plus, because he's new, he is going to have to be involved in a lot more preseason action than most teams starting running back. Can't just, you know, let him make his debut in Buffalo and try to protect him in bubble wrap before then. Training camp is tough on running backs. The preseason is tough on running backs. The regular season is something else entirely. And I mean that it's even tougher on running backs. You also have the very recent precedent of Tomlin and or Randy Feetner cutting down Chase Claypool's snaps. Remember that? Last summer, we were all wondering, why why can't Chase get on the field? He seems to be more productive more dangerous than the rest of these guys. He's not dropping the football, and he's an actual deep threat. But you started seeing around the midpoint of the season that he wasn't getting on the field. And when Tomlin was asked about that, his response, plain and simple, was, this is a young player who's never been this far he didn't say they were babying him, but that's kind of what that is. And I'm not even saying that in, a, in some pejorative way. That's just a that's just a fact. You want to try to manage that. You want to hope that the kid can end up producing his best football in the games that mean the most. If your team goes deep and when the Steelers were 11 and0, they had every reason to believe that they were that kind of team. So the move kind of made sense at the time, but it also functions as a possible precursor to Najee, where they might at some point just say, you know what, let's, uh, let's just find a way to back off here a little bit. Maybe you're facing a team that uh, doesn't have a run defense as good as your previous opponent. You want to get somebody else in the mix, you can do that. But look, one way or another, one way or another, Najee Harris lines up as a very strong candidate for the award if only because of the circumstance that I set up for you earlier. A running back is going to be more prominent. You have to play a prominent position in order to win that award. So basically, it's him against a couple of wide receivers and possibly a quarterback or two. And that's not to dismiss that anybody underneath him meaning in the draft couldn't come away with it as well but he certainly lines up he seems to check every box for it so far including usage when we come back just one question for just one question and today's entry comes from Fly, who asks if steven nelson were any good wouldn't he have been picked up by now does the fact that he remains unsigned validate the steelers decision to cut him would the steelers bring him back if they could agree on a cheap price and that's just three questions my bad all right well we'll let it slide this time since they were all on a very related subject Nelson remaining a free agent means one of two things. One, other teams saw, as the Steelers did, that his productivity, his efficiency, dipped significantly from 2019 to 2020. It's not easy to erase a positive reputation any easier than it is to erase a negative one. Nelson really built one up, a good one, in 2019, and deservedly so. He matched Joe Hayden in Island coverage. That did not happen last season. Hayden wasn't his best self either, but Nelson really fell off. And it it made a difference. It made a difference. There were times when teams actively picked on him, as opposed to the previous year where they stayed away from him like crazy. The other thing it could mean, of course, is that Nelson grossly overvalues his own worth. And you know what? I'm going to lean more toward that than the first thing I mentioned. Because the way this played out, which answers one of your other questions, was not that the Steelers made a decision to cut him, the Steelers made a decision to approach Nelson and his representative to work out a pay cut or a restructure, but it was going to be based on a pay cut so that they could navigate under a really, really tough cap situation. Nelson's response to the team was that he wanted not just an extension, but also a raise. He took it personally, something that almost no NFL player does anywhere. Restructures are common all the way up to, and actually most commonly with, the biggest stars. He should have been flattered. (laughs) Right? So the Steelers say, uh, okay, dude, well, I guess, uh, if you think you're worth this much, See if you can work out a trade. That's what Kevin Colbert told Nelson's agent. A couple of days pass. Nothing happens. Another day or two passes. And Nelson goes on Twitter and says that the Steelers are holding me hostage. Well, that word is a no-no with Mike Tomlin. Tomlin made that very clear with the Le'Veon Bell situation, again with the Antonio Brown situation. And when he heard the word, again, coincidence or not, Nelson was released by the Steelers within the hour. And even that time span was only because it probably took at least a few minutes to prepare the proper paperwork and make sure that it gets faxed to NFL headquarters in New York. That's how quickly he was gone. So do I think that he can come back at a cheaper rate? I would. I really would. We have seen the Steelers. We have seen Tomlin specifically welcome people back when it looked like maybe, you know, it would have been kind of a rougher ride. Not this one. Not this one. You don't do hostage. You don't do hostage. Not with this coach. One of his pet phrases ever since the bell thing was, we want volunteers, not hostages. He wants people who want to be in Pittsburgh, not someone who allowed his ego to get the best of him and briefly lost his mind and erroneously thought he was worth Well, everything that he isn't getting right now. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We will do another one tomorrow.